Last week, we talked about how to leverage relationships for growth in your organization. This week, we're diving into stories and vision and where they meet. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots in the for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about how stories and vision interact. They are integral to each other in order to have an organization that builds trust and accomplishes great things. These two need to work in tandem in a really strong way. And we've seen a lot of really great examples of this working and not working. And uh, we're going to talk about some tips and other thoughts on how to make this be effective. So Lisa, why don't you just jump in and let's get the topic started. <laughs> let's just jump right in. See how this <laughs> totally. goes. Totally. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about vision over the course of our podcast and we've given some tips about it and put it in plain language, make it really easy to understand. Uh, we often advise like 21 words or less, like keep it succinct so people aren't having to memorize this massive paragraph of ideas. Um, <laughs> and big words that only mean stuff to you. Like they mm -hmm. ha really have to be clear and easily understood. Understood. But one big thing about having the right vision is having it so clear that people know when it's happening. Like, if someone looks at your vision and they don't know what winning looks like under that vision, it's not clear enough for them. And a lot of times what we see in organizations is organizations that have great vision. They know they need to tell some stories about what's happening, but their vision isn't clear enough or it is really clear. But in the midst of trying to throw together a story, we have to share a win. They choose a story that doesn't line up with the vision. Um, and when this happens, it erodes trust. It makes people confused. Um, it makes people say, wait, did I understand that vision or have they changed gears? Is there a pivot I don't know about or do they just mm -hmm. not know what they're doing? Um, and it can be really tough as a nonprofit it because a lot of times what we are doing um, impacts many more areas than we think it's going to impact. Totally. So let's say I have a vision that I'm going to help feed um, or I want to end hunger in a country, right? And maybe part of that ended up being that in the process of trying to end hunger, we were able to help a group of people and they were able to build a school and that kind of thing. Sometimes a nonprofit look at that and be like, let's tell a story about how we built a school forgetting that the vision is we are ending hunger. And in the process of telling that story, if you don't bring it back to, and this contributes to ending hunger, or here's how it wraps into the vision, people look at it and they're like, wait, are you ending hunger? Or are you starting schools? What is happening here? And I signed up for the ending hunger part. Are we not doing that anymore? Like it just creates confusion and people don't want to do with that. Right, they're less likely to give to that. They're less likely to donate their time to that when things feel mushy and unclear, that's when people start to just try to figure out, okay, is there a different organization that I can know what my time and my effort is going toward mm -hmm. and like know what the end result is going to be. And so we see this happen for a few different reasons. I think one of the big reasons that stories don't line up with vision, first of all, is that the vision is not very clear. So mm -hmm. you touched on that a little bit, but I think when we think through our vision statements as nonprofit organizations, we have to think through how clear it is 
and really drill down and make sure that it's specific enough to if you do it, you know you did it. And if you don't do it, you know you didn't do it. And, and that can be the scary thing. Yes. And going back to like the ending hunger example, I think part of this with vision and not having clarity is if you feel like you have clarity, but you've left it too open, you'll end up with people who disagree with your means of getting it done. Mm -hmm. If it's we're going to end hunger across the world and you start focusing on one part of the world and someone comes to you and says, if you really want to end hunger for way more people per dollar, you should do it here instead. You do it like this. You should do it like this. You should. There's this other way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really difficult to get people on board because they're looking at the vision saying, is this lining up? And if people don't see congruency across the board, um, it, it erodes trust and it adds confusion. And no one wants to donate somewhere where they don't feel like this is a good decision. Yeah, people people like to even though they're being philanthropists, mm-hmm. they still like to have a feeling of control. They're saying I'm giving my money to this organization, I'm giving my time to this organization, I'm giving my focus or maybe spreading the word about this organization using my my influence, my networks. Um they they still want a level of control. No one is completely, well, maybe some people, but I would say it takes a very special person to be completely altruistic with it and say, I don't care what you do with this money. Just take this money and do whatever you want with it. Like, mm-hmm. that's a very rare situation. Usually it's like, you promised the money was going to go to this, and therefore I trust you, which means I'm going to give you that money and I know it's going to go to that. Mm-hmm. Or you promised that my volunteer hours were going to help to solve this problem. And I gave my hours and I know that it's going to solve that problem. Yeah. So when we don't have a clear vision statement, the first breakdown is that people don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like if your vision is kind of a scattershot approach, it's time to think about maybe honing that in. It's okay to alter vision statements. If you find through running your organization that you're like, you know what, we have found our niche and what we started off with is a little bit different from what we know we're supposed to be doing now with this organization. It's better to get honest with mm-hmm. the people that uh, are a part of your organization, whether they're watching, contributing, um, it's better to get honest with them and say, hey, listen, we have realized that the best way to address the issue that we know we are called to fix is X. And so we're making a shift in our vision, our mission statement, because we know that this is actually going to be the best way for us to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, that builds trust. Again, everything is about trust with nonprofit organizations. It builds organizations. so much trust because for me, when I look at an organization that's making an intentional pivot versus just kind of trying to sweep it aside and like, yeah, we're still doing the thing, but we found a couple other projects. But when I see one that's making an intentional pivot, I'm like, wow, you know what's working you know which thing is going to be scalable. You know which thing is making the most impact. You know what isn't working anymore? Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And for leadership to be able to communicate, we were doing this, we're still doing that, but we found this other way that works. Here's why it's working better. And really taking a moment to just address it and then standing behind it. It goes a long way. And sometimes as leaders, we think, oh man, if I was wrong, it's going to erode trust. And... Sometimes that's the case. We have to own up to our mistakes. Um, But more often than not, when we recognize that we were going down a path and we need to make a change, simply explaining it and being like, hey, we're doing the best we knew how to do. We realize there's a better way. Here's how we're making this adjustment. And here's how and here's what it's going to mean. That goes a long way for the people who are really following what the work is that you're doing. The best contributors to your organization, whether it's volunteers or donors or whatever, they are going to understand 
and trust you more when you are willing to say, as we have been in this, we have learned there's a better strategy. Mm-hmm. There is a more specific strategy or whatever it is. So if you need to take time and you need to hone that mission statement and make it more specific so that way people know what they're giving to and they know what's going to happen, then do it. Mm-hmm. Take the time to do it. Do it honestly. Do it upfront with everybody. Make sure it's it's all about trust. Lisa and I have been watching Survivor with our kids. And every time, <laughs> every time watching like a new alliance form or people talking on the side or whatever, like that game is all about trust. It's no different in the world of nonprofit. You are building bridges between you and the people who are going to help you accomplish this thing in the world that needs to happen. And it's built on trust. <clears throat> I think another way that it breaks down uh, vision and stories is on the story side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we have kind of mushy vision statements, we can end up having kind of mushy stories. Mm-hmm. Now, th- these are no one's telling a story about how something bad happened and their organization didn't do what it was supposed to do. But right. um, it's very, very tempting to say, oh, my gosh, this was a really good thing that happened. We need to share this with everybody. You have to think through, does this support the vision? Because we do want to share cool stories. That's great. But we have to remember that the stories that we share are either going to help to empower the vision or they're going to distract from it. Mm hmm. And that's a really big thing, because I think sometimes when we find a good story, we're like, we need to share this. And instead of taking a moment to think through, how can we share this in a way that supports what we're doing? How can we explain why this matters? How can we do these different pieces? We sit down with someone who we've helped, and we it's so easy as a nonprofit leader, just get a camera going and saying, share your story. And to an extent, you want to do that. But on the other side of it... Um, a lot of people aren't good storytellers. The things that I think about that I think are important in my story aren't necessarily the things that actually made the most different, the most difference. Like I've heard some people, like I've seen people have great stories and then I've talked to them and asked them their story and they don't even know what their story fully is because they're still in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the middle of it or you're just coming out of it, sometimes it's hard to have that perspective to be able to articulate what mattered to someone who is outside of your own story. And so when you're interviewing someone, you need to remember that. Like, they might have lived the story, and they know it better than anyone else in one level, but on a different level, they don't know it well enough to be able to explain it. It's true. Yeah, I've done a lot of interviews with people for different organizations uh, to just kind of draw out the stories of how their lives have been impacted for the better by these organizations. And it is, it is just true. Like not everybody's a great storyteller, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, just looking at the basic like structure of a story, right. Where you have like introductory of this setting and the characters, and then, you know, you move up and now there's some kind of dilemma and then there's usually a climax and then there's like some falling action or whatever. Right. You think about that half triangle we all learned about in like eighth grade English class. Mm hmm. Well, not everybody thinks like that, especially when they're telling their own story. Most people's stories have lots of ups and downs, and it's hard for them to kind of tell what was the what was the defining moment, what was the ultimate rising pressure, what was the moment where everything came into clarity, what is the actual like resolution, and what's going to wrap up the story well. So it's so it's so important to understand that story well enough to be able to help shape it in a way that's going to impact. Uh, what your organization is to do is able to do 
better in the future. Mm -hmm. Another thing, switching gears just a little bit that I would add is when we're talking about vision and stories, this is all part of our legacy builders flywheel. Mm -hmm. Um, But the core thing at the center of it is you. And I think one of the issues that happens between vision and stories is that you as a nonprofit leader don't always like to say no to opportunities. Hmm. I think sometimes there's a fear or this feeling of I have the ability to help, therefore I should say yes. Um, Or maybe there's this is the cause that we're trying to do and this other thing kind of camp alongside. It's not really the same, but it's kind of the same. I guess I could kind of make it work. And you talk yourself into doing something Um, either. I don't think it's usually because of guilt. I think oftentimes it's a what if this is the next thing that helps us move forward? Hmm. What if we're missing out on impact if I don't do this? Um, And sometimes I think it's a lack of self-control and a lack of self-discipline on behalf of the nonprofit leader to say no. We know what it is that we're trying to do. We know what we are dedicating our lives to. And I'm going to unapologetically run after that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why it's so important, too, to build a network of other nonprofits around you, other mm-hmm. people who are accomplishing great things, because you're probably not equipped to do everything. Right. <laughs> right. And so it's really good to, if some other problem comes across your plate, to resource that out and get it served better by a different organization. Right. Because we don't want to have someone come across a plate or a cause or something that's just like, oh, that person needs help. I'm just going to ignore them. Um, But there is a point where having that network is so incredibly valuable because you're able to say this other organization is tackling that specifically and they are doing a great job. Um, And so I'm going to connect with them and vice versa. When you have that thing where you're working together in tandem and you're realizing I'm doing this really well, they're doing that really well, and just knowing who those different people are, it makes a really big difference because when we try to be all things to all people, we end up being nothing to no one. Right. If you try to to help everybody, you just end up helping no one. It's so so much more important to recognize there are people who are specialized and who've dedicated their life to helping this specific type of person in this situation. And maybe that is you. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, yeah. do it. But uh, for example, I just met a couple weeks ago, a leader of an organization that helps veterans get on their feet and helps. And hopefully we'll have an interview with them actually here soon on the podcast. But uh, they help veterans get on their feet and start businesses or find job placements. And uh, I know lots of like churches in the area that would try to help veterans. Mm-hmm. which like is a really, really good thing. But if they were connected to this other organization, they would be able to help those veterans so much better yes. than just devoting their resources to kind of do like a kind of a bad job mm-hmm. of it, where it's like they don't have the resources that this other organization has to be able to help that cause. And I've seen that happen too a lot where like nonprofit organizations are approached by people who have problems in their life. And that nonprofit isn't necessarily equipped to be able to help with those specific types of problems, but they feel bad. So then they try to do something to help when it would be so much better to connect them to the right person. Mm -hmm. Um, Churches, especially with like benevolence budgets, people will come and say, hey, like my electricity got turned off. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Um, I remember it was a really, really big moment. when We realized, hey, we can work with these other organizations in the area that specifically help with those issues. So we don't have to say, no, we can't help you with that. And we also don't have to devote part of the budget that's set aside for something else 
to help with that issue. Well, and I think part of it, too, is when you're looking at something like benevolence from a church or any other issue is the complexity of the issues. There are so many different factors at play. And in Mm -hmm. a short moment, especially if you don't know really what's going on below the surface um, or how the issues really start or how they keep going, um, there's always that question of, am I actually helping the issue or am I not? Am I just kind of pushing this forward? Where Mm -hmm. if you're willing to say, I'm not the expert here, but I know someone who can help you, they're able to very quickly understand what's going on and what actual true help looks like. Right. Um, Because I think a lot of times the what looks like it'll be the most helpful isn't always the most helpful. Right. Sometimes it like enables the situation to get worse. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a great book that we I still need to read. (laughs) But uh, it's called When Helping Hurts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I need to check it out. I've had it explained to me a few times. I definitely need to dig into that one. But let's get back on topic here about stories. Yes. So um, I think the story issue, by the way, uh, just to make sure that we're all talking on the same page here, when we talk about stories and sharing stories, the purpose of sharing a story is to continue to build trust in your organization like yes we want to share the good things that are happening but sharing stories is the best and most direct way to gain new followers people who pay attention and say i want to be a part of what's happening there Mm -hmm. and those can be stories that are on a very individual basis and a very deep dive into one specific story or it can be kind of like a widespread story like here here's a whole school of kids that we helped or whatever right but you want to share the stories and share them in a way that actually like gets people drawn in and connected and feel an emotional bond with the people that you're trying to help or with the cause that you're trying to help keep saying people but they're nonprofits that help like animals and stuff too right so <laughs> animals are people too <laughs> but uh, uh anyway so when we're talking about stories that's what we're really focusing and honing in on i think one of the things that falls apart when people share stories also not just um kind of having a mushy vision statement or uh just sharing a story in a way that isn't really effective is also being tempted to share a story of something that isn't quite connected like is almost there Mm. is almost connected to what the organization is trying to do but doesn't quite connect so um lisa do you have any like good examples off the top of your head of this um, yes, uh, there's an organization that we know of, um, that are trying to help, um, they were, it's a organization that's working on feeding kids, yeah. like helping with hunger or that kind of thing. Um, and they had a story where they were able to, they were able to help some kids. They were able to get some people fed. Um, but in the process they ended up buying, um, blankets for some homeless people. Um, and it was part of feeding people, but they also brought along blankets. And when they told the story, a good chunk of the story focused on the fact that they provided blankets for people. And that's not a bad thing. And that's not a bad thing at all. Right. Obviously, blankets are a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things where it was incredibly close to what they were trying to do. And it wasn't even that they did it completely separate from what they were trying to do. But as one of their metrics that they shared in the story, they said, we were able to give away this number of blankets. And that was one of their main points of it. And looking at it from the outside, I was like, there's a small where's, disconnect. Where's, I'm not quite getting it. Like, I'm, I'm seeing how it's similar, but I'm not quite, it's not quite the same. And so that was one of those things that when we looked at it, we're like, that's close, but it's not quite. But it was so close that it didn't feel wrong, but it wasn't quite close enough to feel right and feel really good. 
And those are the moments where it's important to ask yourself, are we an organization that is specifically only trying to feed people? Mm -hmm. Or are we trying to do a little bit more wide? It's okay to widen your scope a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that that's what your scope is aimed at, especially if you're like, these are the stories we need to share. If there's something as the leader in the organization that happens and your heart just like ignites and you're like, this is so important to what we do. But then you look at your vision statement, you're like, this isn't in there. It's time to look at that vision statement and say, we need to maybe adjust this to include ideas like blankets. Or we need to say, that's awesome that we did blankets. We're still going to focus on what we shared, what we did with food. Mm -hmm. I'd say another one is when stories are told that are perfectly in line with the vision statement, but they just go too far in the extremism that's shared. Hmm. Um, so give an example of that. So I was talking to a nonprofit leader um, and they were telling me a story. I kind of asked, what were you doing? They went on a mission trip and I was like, what were you doing in this other country? And rather than sharing, oh, we were helping this group of people and here's what's going on. And, you know, just kind of like actually trying to help me to understand what they did. She's like, man, when I was over there, I saw a kid who was going through X and she just went into graphic detail about how hungry they looked, how their bones weren't formed correctly, all this. And it was to a point where it didn't just add discomfort, because I understand that to a certain extent, stories need to show that there are needs in the world, and Mm -hmm. we need to become aware of them because you can't change something you're not aware of. Absolutely. But she spent so much time trying to talk about how terrible the situation was, and never got to the point where she told me how I could help. Right. And so it was almost like I felt like I was in a conversation where I could tell that she had gone through culture shock. It was her first time out of the country, her first time really experiencing poverty. And it was like she was trying to get me to understand her shock more than her heart. So she was mm. trying to get me to get to this place where I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm absolutely crushed right now. I don't understand. But the way that she was explaining it to me, I was like, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to help you. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish. I don't know what you're trying to do. It was an incredibly graphic story. And I didn't understand the point of it. I think here's a really, really big point. It's the basic story structure again. Mm-hmm. You know, when you read a book and the book ends after there's a problem shown, but there's no resolution, there's no climax, there's no whatever. You're like, this is a terrible book. I feel awful. Like, imagine watching a horror movie, right, or something, and then you just turn it off halfway through, and you don't ever know, like, the resolution. Even if everybody dies, you're just like, I just need to know what the resolution is, you know, because the not knowing is super really tough. When we're sharing stories of things that have happened that our organization sees and are dealing with, it's really, really important to think about that story structure. We're going to set the setting. We're going to help people understand the characters. We're going to show the problem, but then we're going to show resolution or at least paint a picture of what resolution could look like. Yes. And part of this, too, is recognizing the role that the stories have in that moment. So if Hmm. your story is to gain general followers who are interested in your organization, you need to know that out of a knowledge on a scale of one to ten, they're at a one and your story needs to move them to a two, a three, a four. Like you need to move them along. A little bit at a time. Yep. Where if you, (laughs) right, because you'll scare them. They'll be like, this is too big. Well, it's too big of a problem. How can I even help? It's too big of a problem. Yeah. If you tell people the true extent of the problem and you don't break it down how they can make a difference in one person's life 
people will freeze up because they're like, it's too big. And there's something about our brains that just, they're like, I can't help this. I'm going to go find something. Yeah, we just turn off. Um, On the other side is if you're telling stories because maybe you're hosting a small fundraising event that's for your core people. And it's kind of like a half fundraiser, half thanks for being committed, that kind of thing. The stories that you tell there need to be a little bit different. A little more in depth, maybe a little more visceral. Yeah, a little bit more in depth, a little bit more visceral, a little bit more detail on how those donations actually made a difference, um, really explain the why. And so part of it is the stories that you share, you need to recognize who it is that you're talking to. A lot of times we talk about how stories gain followers, and that's true. Um, but depending on what the event is, you still need to use the legacy flywheel. And in that moment, the stories going to followers, it's not necessarily that the people in the room are going to become followers, because if they're already your key donors... They're already there, but you need to spark something in them that makes them want to go share with someone else right. how you they can become kind of a follower. Like start like an infection of passion, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you got to also think like, who who am I talking to? Is this a person who is like a fun a fundraiser type person? Is this a philanthropist type person who's going to say, you know, I own a business, I want to make sure that we're making an impact. Here's ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, or is this somebody you're talking with who's like? Hey, I, you know, I, I work a part-time job. I don't have a lot of money to give, but I would love to spend my time and, and bust a sweat and get some things done to actually help people. The stories that you tell, you need to really focus around what that person is going to find valuable for themselves to be able to bring. Because if you say, you know, let's say you're talking to a college student, right? College, everybody knows college students are broke. They're broke. They're eating ramen, you know, without the the, the powder packets because they, they're like it's cheaper that way. <laughs> they save up the powder packets for later. I don't know. <laughs> they're just so poor. Anyway, college students, right? Talking to a college student, and you're saying, "Hey, here's the problem. It's a fifty thousand dollar problem. We need your help." They're going to be like, "I have a fifty thousand dollar problem. It's called my student debt. You know, <laughs> just for one semester." <laughs> um, so. <laughs> But if you turn it around, you say, what do college students have to be able to give? They have a network of people. Mm-hmm. They have probably volunteer time that they could give. So a story that you share shouldn't be a story where the hero of the story was somebody who gave $10,000. In that moment, you're going to share the hero of the story who is the person who gave some time yeah. and, and, and broke a sweat to actually solve a problem. And that's why it's so important to have those diverse things that uh, diverse opportunities for people to be able to help with the organization so that way in any given situation you can share a story that's going to inspire someone to be able to take action and to know i am custom made to be able to help with this problem you know i don't have ten thousand dollars but that doesn't matter because the 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 point of this story is that people who don't have ten thousand dollars can still make a difference Mm -hmm. um and that's really really big so understanding the vision understanding who the person is that you're talking to or the group of people you know we do a lot of work with volunteers and organizations and you know i I very rarely talk about donating (laughs) when we're trying to inspire volunteers they're already there they're already volunteering they're the kind of people who have said i want to give my time here and so the stories that i share are how somebody who volunteered made a big difference in somebody's life Mm -hmm. and you know making them the hero of the story is powerful yeah but in that situation if you're sharing that somebody else is the hero of the story now they suddenly feel worthless 
Like, mm-hmm. why am I doing this? I should yeah. go get a job somewhere so I can make some money so I can donate so I'll be the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, too, with that understanding who the hero of the story should be. Um, the hero of the story needs to be the people who are supporting you. When we make ourselves the heroes of our own story, it really shows people that we think that we are why everything is working. Mm. Um, and as a leader, dangerous. what you do is really important. But if you start to believe that what you do... Well, if you start to believe that what you do, that you are the most important piece of all this, um, it it just opens the door for things to go in a really bad direction. The most important people are the people who are contributing. And honestly, the most, most important people are the people that you're trying to help. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it's easy to forget because we're human and we tend to think that we are the hero of our own story and that we're the main character. Um, But we rarely are. We're usually the people who get to impact someone else for a moment so that they can go on to be a greater version of themselves um the last thing that i'd say about stories is be careful that you are telling stories of empowerment and not one of guilt um no one likes to feel like they're being guilted into giving and it's really giving easy of their time giving of whatever at all right? like yeah. anything any resource no one wants to feel guilted into supporting an organization and so i will say if you're telling a story with someone and you can tell that they're feeling uncomfortable I'd say just pay attention and maybe try to address, adjust your strategy a little bit because you might be laying it on just a little bit too strong and you need to give them time to you need to give them time to process what you're talking about and choose to opt in. Marketing, I mean you see this in business all the time. Marketing works way better when someone has chosen to be marketed to. Yep, when they're when they're opted into some kind of list or whatever. Yeah, and so rather than trying to bring someone super far along the process really quickly, choosing to say, I'm going to share a little bit and allow you to ask questions and allow you to come back and ask me for more is a really powerful thing because it shows that we're going to get this done either way and we would love for you to be a part of it. But if you don't want to be a part of it, we're going to find other people who want to partner with us. Mm-hmm. And this can be especially tricky if you are talking to someone who's already committed to another organization. Like sometimes people will volunteer at multiple places. A lot of times they'll choose one. Sometimes people will give to multiple organizations. Other times they'll choose one or two. Um, and you never want to make someone feel guilty for the amount of time that they're volunteering or giving <laughs> to else. a nonprofit in general. <laughs> like, <laughs> Because we're all working together in a unique way to try and help the world get better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so someone says, you know, I love that story. I'll tell my friend about you. I'm kind of already committed. Rather than trying to force them into dropping what they're currently doing, celebrate them. Because people will remember how you make them feel. And if you can celebrate any good thing that they're doing later on in life, if they have a change, they'll remember you and they'll Mm -hmm. likely want to come over and help you too. That's really good. I'll add to that, too, with the, the whole guilt thing. If you guys will think back to back when we all watched TV, right? And there were commercials. What? <laughs> what? That's a thing? I mean, I, I suppose some people still watch TV who like sports and things like that. But uh, we switched over. We don't really watch TV commercials anymore because we're not usually having the TV on. But I remember being a teenager and flipping through channels and uh, I'd be watching a show, and then um, a commercial would come up for a charity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think it was like Christian Children's Fund or something. And um, their strategy at the time was to just show a lot of like really, really hungry, starving children, mm-hmm. which is like not a bad thing. Of course, we talked about how people well, need to understand there's a the problem. The hungry, starving first. children is a bad thing. 
but the marketing the mar- strategy yes, was not. Yes, <laughs> of course. Yes. Yes. I think you guys know what I meant. <laughs> but that strategy really just laid the the guilt on thick. Like you're you're a fat American and look how these people are just in such a terrible place. But as a teenager and even as like a young adult, all that ever made me want to do was change the channel. Mm-hmm. It didn't make me want, you know, I I felt guilty, but not guilty enough to like call in, especially since, you know, as a college student, I didn't have money. So all it did is make me change the channel. And we have to remember that if we're not meeting a follower or someone where they're at, all it's going to make them want to do is change the channel. Yeah. And we have to remember that what used to work doesn't work anymore. And we need to be aware of that because part of the reason that those commercials worked was because you could just change the channel, but you kind of had to wait to see when your show was going to be on. And so it was more likely you're just going to let it play because it had a little bit more of a captive audience where today, Mm -hmm. if you're on YouTube, you have five seconds. Yep. Like someone doesn't want to see it, they'll hit next. Or they'll go do something else. Or they'll, they'll go do something else or, or they're, they'll <laughs> unfollow or whatever. or whatever it is. Right. And so recognizing that things have changed, that the things that used to work don't necessarily work anymore. Oftentimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have the chance to make a big impact because we have so many opportunities now to share stories. And information is so readily available now. Just so many things have changed that we need to look at what, what actually works, what actually keeps people engaged and rather rather than getting them to change the channel. We really want to figure out where are they at, what stories are going to resonate with them the most, what stories are going to support our vision and our mission the most so that we're actually building the strength of the organization, building our ability to execute within the organization, building the trust within the organization, all these things work together and we have to be really careful that we're not undoing the flywheel, but we're really building in that momentum over time. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 